0: This series was made possible by the Friends of Humanities Kansas. Welcome to Kansas 1972. A lot happened during that pivotal year, including the founding of Humanities Kansas. So, in celebration of our 50th anniversary, we'll be telling you stories from that era of Kansas history. So tune in, chill out, and get the lowdown on 1972. And welcome to a special mini-episode of Kansas 1972. We couldn't quite fit this story into one of the main episodes, but we felt like it was too important not to tell. So enjoy this extra story.
1: Smokey the Bear, Smokey the Bear, growling and a-growling and a-sniff in the air. He can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey, that was how he got his name. So when you think of Smoky Bear, if you think of the Forest Service, probably the last place you're going to think of is Kansas. But there is a pretty significant Kansas connection.
0: In 1972, illustrator Rudy Wendelin retired from his position at the U.S. Forest Service, where he had been an employee for 40 years. While you might not know Wendelin's name, you certainly have heard of his most famous creation, Smokey Bear. Side note, in doing this story, I learned that, contrary to the song you just heard, his name is not Smokey THE bear, but rather just Smokey Bear, And if you get it wrong, some rather vehement Smokey Bear aficionados might not be too happy with you. But however you say the character's name, you are probably wondering, what does Smokey Bear have to do with Kansas? To help tell the story of Smokey Bear and Rudy Wendelin, I spoke with historian Jeremy Gill, who is the Kansas Room Coordinator at the Hayes Public Library.
1: Rudy Wendelin was born in Rollins County in Herndon, Kansas, in way Northwest Kansas, in 1910, about as far away from a forest or trees that you could possibly think of. On a pretty treeless prairie, the guy who becomes so known as the artist of Smokey Bear is born. Uh, Wendelin goes to school in, in Herndon. He then attends uh, KU's architecture school because he was interested in art, but at the time period, he Tended, if you were into art, you sometimes went to architecture school. Um, So he he attended KU. um, He leaves there and he goes to an art school in Wisconsin. And he graduates at probably the worst possible time you could graduate as an art student. And it's during the Great Depression. Just like a lot of uh, young guys his age, he finds himself out of work, can't find a decent job. Really in any industry, let alone doing any kind of artistry, He gets a job with the Civilian Conservation Corps, which uh, President Roosevelt had put into place um, to put young guys to work uh, in, in national parks, state parks. In 1933, the chief concern of the American government was to break the back of a bad depression. Among the conditions to be remedied were two President Roosevelt recognized at once. Employment for hundreds of thousands of young men and war veterans was imperative. Havoc wrought by soil erosion had long since shown the necessity of the immediate restoration, conservation, and further development of the country's natural resources. As one solution for both problems, the organization and work of the Civilian Conservation Corps was undertaken.
0: And in two years. The Civilian Conservation Corps. Often referred to as the CCC, 1930s politicians love their acronyms. It was one of the many New Deal programs aimed at providing jobs for the unemployed during the Great Depression. The CCC helped create recreation spaces throughout the country, but they were also involved in conservation efforts. The 1970s may be when the modern environmental movement gained steam, but even in the 1930s, there were concerns over the preservation of natural resources in America. Of course, agencies like the CCC needed more than just manual laborers. Rudy Wendelin was hired as an illustrator by the Interior Department to help develop promotional materials for the CCC. And during Wendelin's first job for the U.S. government— he created a memorable piece of propaganda. Here's Jeremy Gill.
1: He draws the very masculine photo of, of like a, what a CCC worker looks like. It's like a guy with his shirt off and he's super muscular. And he has like, he's like a pickaxe or a shovel ready to take on, uh, save the country, basically. You know, work for Roosevelt was kind of the, the mantra
0: we'll put a copy of this image on the Humanities Kansas website, along with other resources for this episode. It's a very iconic 1930s image of a male manual labor that you see in lots of art, especially government art from this era, evoking vigor and strength at a time during the Great Depression when many people felt hopeless and even weak. Wendelin continued to produce work for the CCC until the U.S. entered World War II. Because many New Deal programs were being phased out, he was offered a job with the Navy.
1: And during the war, uh, the United States was highly concerned about foreign attacks on the United States because of Pearl Harbor. And one of them was a possibility that wildfires would be started in California and Washington and Oregon. Uh, so the Forest Service and the federal government kind of uh, got people really suspicious of their neighbors um, and and trying to look out for people that might be wanting to start one of these fires. These Nazi tools are learning how to be spies. Take a closer
2: look. You may be meeting some of them in America, because that's where many of them are going when they graduate, when they become ace espionage agents. They don't look so dangerous, do they? No? Don't kid yourself. Their weapons aren't the usual weapons of war, guns and knives and bombs. They have a better weapon. You. Yes, we mean you Americans. See, they've got you pegged already. Why? Because you are going to make their work easy.
0: You're going part of stoking these suspicions required getting wildfire prevention on the minds of American citizens. And this is actually the origin of Smokey Bear. The first image of Smokey Bear created by the Forest Service is a kind of ominous figure trying to convince people to spy on their neighbors just in case they are naughty spies intent on setting forest fires in U.S. national parks. This is certainly a far cry from the cuddly character we know today. So Rudy Wendelin is not the original creator of Smokey Bear. But when World War II is over and he leaves the Navy, he's offered a job as an illustrator at the Forest Service. Wendelin therefore inherits this World War II propaganda version of Smokey Bear. However, the campaign needs a post-war makeover.
1: Wendelin's job was to make a softer-toned ad campaign uh, to prevent forest fires because even though the war had ended, this was still a major security risk, uh, an economic risk, um, especially for those who lived in those areas. So Wendelin goes and he starts creating a much more family-friendly, bear-like character that becomes beloved, reproduced uh, throughout many decades, is still in uh, use today.
0: Post-war American culture is very car-centric because of trends like suburbanization, commuting, and a more prosperous and growing middle class who can afford cars. But another part of this car culture was the road trip facilitated by the creation of the national highway system. More and more Americans at mid-century are traveling around the country by car and are often vacationing in national parks.
1: Camping becomes a lot more in vogue. So it's like, be careful, don't throw your cigarettes out the window, don't leave your campfire unattended. Like, there's some major ramifications if you do these things. And uh, Wendelin was tasked with kind of creating an image that permeated both uh, adults and children. But there were other people who didn't seem to appreciate the forest. They left
2: campfires burning. And they failed to crush out cigarettes. That's a good job, said Smokey the Bear. But it takes more than one junior forest ranger when so many people are careless. Be sure you're never responsible for this terrible
1: destruction. So remember, only you can prevent forest fires. Smoky Bear becomes a lot more popular in the 50s because the, there is an actual mascot that's then moved to the National Zoo. Um, there was a cub that was saved at the New Mexico forest during a forest fire and was given the name Smoky Bear. He becomes a beloved character, and Smokey Bear actually is the only animal that has its own zip code. So children were sending artwork, uh, letters to Smokey Bear in D.C.
0: And it worked tremendously well. Appealing to both children and their parents, Smokey Bear develops into an iconic and effective figure in teaching people about treading carefully in forests and other natural spaces. In this interview with the National Forest Service, Rudy Wendelin reflects on his creation. Oh, I
2: felt a real strong responsibility, I really did. (laughs) I I just felt like Smokey was a real character down the hall somewhere. I had to be careful, responsible, and uh, as we got so much response from children and teachers and all over the country, that just increased that uh, sense of responsibility.
0: But by the time Rudy Wendelin retired from the Forest Service in 1972, ideas about conservation and natural resources are shifting in this country. Wendelin was really a part of a generation of environmentalism that originated in the early 20th century and was focused on ideas of conservation of natural areas, mostly for human enjoyment and the efficient use of natural resources. But a whole host of new environmental issues are entering the public dialogue in the 1960s and early 1970s, including concerns about air and water pollution, toxic waste, species lost, overpopulation, and sustainability. This modern environmental movement offered a much more holistic view of environmental problems and humanity's place in the global ecosystem. And Smokey Bear gets caught up in these changes.
1: The Forest Service saw that uh, Smokey Bear was being used for unintended purposes. It was basically being an all-encompassing environmental ad campaign. They were using Smokey Bear for litter campaigns or pollution campaigns, and that really wasn't what that was meant for, nor that they wanted that to be meant for because it diluted the original message of forest fires.
0: Not much around, is there? But once all this emptiness was rich with life, Over here was a beautiful, lush forest.
2: Back there was a great rolling meadow. Yes,
0: this forest was once filled with love and life, but not anymore. Not since man came and got careless with fire. Even with these shifts, the character of Smokey Bear has persisted beyond the tenure of Rudy Wendelin at the U.S. Forest Service and is currently the longest-running public service announcement campaign in American history. According to a 2018 study by the Ad Council, 80% of individuals who engage in outdoor recreation in the U.S. recognize Smokey Bear's image. And for his 75th anniversary in 2019, the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. hosted a Smokey Bear exhibit, complete with a six-foot-tall statue of the cartoon version of Smokey. He is certainly still an important part of our popular culture. So what about Rudy Wendelin, the illustrator from Rollins County, Kansas, who popularized this icon? While Smokey Bear was his day job, Wendelin was a talented artist who drew, painted, and also designed several commemorative stamps. Wendelin lived most of his adult life in the Washington, D.C. area because of his work, but he maintained a connection with his home state. I spoke with Linda Hurst, one of the curators at the Rollins County Historical Society Museum in Atwood, Kansas, about Rudy Wendelin.
2: This was the area he grew up in. He was very fond of this area. It was it was home to him. Um, he loved this area, and he was very generous. He would come back periodically, and he would always paint, bring paintings, uh, donate paintings to uh, different organizations for fundraisers.
0: Linda Hurst also told me about items by Wendelin they have in their collection.
2: We are so excited about the things that we have of Rudolf Wendelin's. We have a collection of his uh, calendars with the Smoky Bear picture on them. Each one of those were d- directly mailed to the Rollins County Historical Museum.
0: After his official retirement in 1972, Wendelin does not stop working. In 1974, the Rollins County Historical Society commissioned him to paint a historical mural of the county. The mural was done in acrylic paint and measures 28 feet long by 9 feet tall. It took Wendelin two years to complete, and was unveiled just in time for bicentennial celebrations in 1976.
2: The mural is fabulous. He started with three large images. One is the Plains Indians. The second one is the first family that homesteaded in Rollins County. And the third large image is the, his modern-day family. And in through all the rest of it is the rich history of Rollins County. He uh, depicted a lot of different scenes and a lot of different activities that took place here. One that I think is particularly interesting is um, he has a picture of a bulldozer dredging out the Lake Atwood under the direction of a surveyor. Perhaps the surveyor was young Rudolf and himself. For Wendelin and his brother measured the area, and the young artist drew scale illustrations of the terrain that went to the lake proposal to Washington, D.C. in the early 1930s and was instrumental in getting the CCC project approved.
0: I love how this mural kind of brings Wendelin's career full circle. So the mural is, of course, about the history of where he grew up but it also connects to the start of his illustration career with the civilian conservation corps during the great depression and just his presence as the famous native son creating the mural reminds you of his most iconic creation
2: well that's the story of smoky bear your friend and mine but smoky needs our help so let's
1: all be careful of fires in the forest always and remember only we You and I can prevent forest fires. So long
2: for now, partners.
0: Thanks for listening to this special mini-episode of Kansas 1972. You can listen to full episodes as well as find out more about the sources we used for this and other episodes on our website at www.humanitieskansas.org. Catch you on the flip side. Humanities Kansas is an independent nonprofit leading a movement of ideas to strengthen Kansas communities and our democracy. Since 1972, HK's pioneering programs, grants, and partnerships have documented and shared stories to spark conversations and generate insights. Together with statewide partners and supporters, HK invites all Kansans to draw on history, literature, and culture to enrich their lives and to serve the communities and state we all proudly call home. Join the movement of ideas at humanitieskansas.org.